Let's Roll. This is Counter Charge, your podcast for all things Kings of War. as they delve into the world of Mantica and bring you in-depth coverage of all things Kings of War. dark is over. We've completed the walk of shame. It's time for the morning after. Welcome to Counter Charge. And we are back for another morning after. I'm here with Mark and Rob and our special guest, Jake Cherapika. Did I say it right? Yes! yes! Boom! That's what happens ding, ding, when you, ding, ding, ding! That's what happens when you screw, screw up opening the show for 20 outtakes. You then get the hard last name correct. I, so. <laughs> well, we're glad you're here, Jeremy. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, yeah, so we haven't ha- been able to do a morning after in a while. Uh, I'm excited uh, to get another one under the belt. I'm excited to have Jake here. Um, I'm really excited and- to have him on. This is one of my favorite segments you guys do. So, Yeah, so Jake, um, kind of what we do in the beginning of the uh, morning after when we have one of our uh, after, dar- after Dark regular guests come on is what sort of kind of caught your attention or what was the first sort of thing that got you into trying after dark and what were some of your kind of early impressions about after dark so i started using after dark i guess before it was technically after dark um when countercharge was doing the army in a weekend challenges um and i just started to really start to play kings of war as my main game bought some abyssal dwarves said i was going to paint them in a weekend Failed abysmally at doing it, but really enjoyed the hangout and the chat with a bunch of people. And as that became more regular rather than just during the Army and the Weekend challenges, um, I start jumping on when I can. I don't get on as frequently as I'd like to, mostly because Fridays are sort of my chill day and I have time difference because I'm on the East Coast and it seems like all the After Darkers are on West and Central time. But when I can get on, it's a hoot. It's just so much fun talking to people from around the country you know, as, as people have said in the past, it's, you know, more than just Kings of War talk. It's great to do that, but you also get to talk about it. Every time I'm on, I feel like people bring up different books, which is, like, one of my passions in life is reading in different book series. So I love hearing what other people are reading and jotting down stuff on my Goodreads. So it's it's a blast. It's just basically, like, hanging out with friends in the basement, but you don't have to drive anywhere. Talk to a lot of different people who have enjoyed doing After Dark. That seems to be kind of a... a trend and theme we see is uh and i know this is something you you like mark is trying to get that uh, you know game room or game store hangout feel but being able to do that from your home oh absolutely i mean that's the best part and i'm very very proud of billy smith right now for getting the uh, google hangouts backfired up so as a matter of fact i just saw a message before we started recording that he was in the room and ready to go so hopefully we'll be able to jump on after we do this recording yeah and that's something to kind of point uh you know something to point out is that we had heard originally after dark uh was on a google hangout link as many of you guys have known who have joined us and uh looked like at one point google hangouts was going to go away so we, we we transitioned after dark 
onto the Kings of War Discord site that has uh, chat rooms for various things, lots of, like, if you're playing a universal battle or whatever, chat functionality. So it had some sort of some good things, some good potential. But for whatever reason, I think the intangible thing of the Google of having that video option, we sort of kind of lost some people when we switched over the Discord. We weren't quite having as regular uh, Hangouts. So it's exciting that now that it looks like maybe Google Hangouts isn't going away and it's just going to get get rebranded, it's cool that Billy's been kind of taking the lead to try to get uh, the more traditional video possible uh, Google After Darks going again. And another thing we like to do on the morning after, Jake, is, you know, we've heard some funny stories about the rubber band band, some other wacky stuff. So for you, if you had to think of like a fun memory or a fun night or fun joke from After Dark, what would that be? So I think my favorite is from... I guess the the predecessor to After Dark, which is the first uh, Army in a Weekend challenge Mm. when I was working really hard at my army. There's a bunch of people in the chat, and Jess, at at the time my girlfriend, now my wife, um, texts me and says I need to pick her up from a bar about 15 minutes down the road because her and some co-workers had imbibed a little bit too much. And so (laughs) I go to pick her up, and... um, I'm driving her, I was picking her actually from her parents' house, now that I'm thinking about it. I'm driving her, and I, I snap a picture of her, because she threw up in the the driveway, and I snap a picture of me holding the bucket, and send it to the hashtag for the Countercharge Army in a Weekend Challenge, and I said, yeah, had to stop painting, girlfriend threw up on the driveway, <laughs> and it still makes me chuckle, you can find that, I don't remember what that, Mark, do you remember what that hashtag is? I do not off the top of my head, but I'll tell you what, that was one of my favorite After Dark slash Army in a Weekend memories. Following the saga of Jess was so much fun. It was hilarious. So I, I think there updates, was more, you know. <laughs> oh, yeah. I think there was more than one picture shared. Yes. So, uh, <laughs> I believe there was, a, there was a post throw up, like, slump of shame in my passenger seat um, with probably her <laughs> flipping me off. I think there's a couple of me looking sad. She's got a good sense of humor. She uh, afterwards was like, so does that make me internet famous? Do people know me? And I was like, yep, you're that meme person. She's like, really? I'm like, no, no one knows you. You know, I think it's funny that she's known from that drunk episode and then from her uh, abuse of you as being a horrible, abusive partner. (laughs) Which is 100% not true. She's extremely supportive. So um, the one time after dark, I had um she asked me to like grab something from the other room and i put my mic down put my mic on silence but the mic through my webcam was still going and my cat had jumped on to like the desk that i was working on and so she and i start yelling at the cat to get down but in the garbled poor quality of the webcam mic you guys just are hearing like smacking noises as we're like trying to snack our like smack our like fingers together to scare the cat without like knocking over models that are drying you're like what is happening and i didn't come back for like 20 minutes and i came back you guys were like you all right <laughs> no i i think if i remember uh, jesse cornwell and i were very upset as to what was we were either very upset <laughs> or really happy for you depending on what you know depending what thing you guys were into which is all good it's america do what you want so uh i'm glad that you came back unscathed yes i've told jess that story too and she's like i don't like that one as much that's not me i'm like no one actually thinks that she's like okay 
Yeah, that's the funny thing about After Dark. You you know, you never quite know what what's going to happen. Yeah, that's one kind of the the you know when I think about what about Discord, and I, I'm curious what you think too, Rob. One thing about Discord that maybe some people fell off. I think some of it's probably you know just things in the hobby are cyclical, but I wonder if there was some sort of like little magic of having the video there that even if you can't see people's miniatures because it's so like the pixelated you never know what's going to happen i think there's also a um technology part of that because um the wargaming community has a very interesting like intersection of age demographics and i think discord is decidedly a newer technology so it's something that some of our older members aren't as like comfortable with but Google Hangouts is pretty straightforward. It's been around longer than Discord. Um, so I feel like that plays into it some, too, is just that comfort level with, well, I know how Google Hangouts works. You just click the link and you go, whereas Discord, you have to you know, make an account, join the right thing, go to the right channel. It's a little bit more in-depth and less familiar if you haven't used it. And that makes sense. You know, it's like the reason why you want to have a hobby desk all clean, because if you have to clean it for five minutes, you're like, oh, screw it, I'm not even going to try. Which I could see being similar with, you know, people are thrown off by the technology, like you said, and then they're, it would only take five minutes, but that's just a little bit of, uh, you know, motivation barrier for them to get involved. So, Well, the thing I found about Discord was that it was hard to find people. Some nights they were in UB1. Some nights they were in UB2. Sometimes they were in the text feed. Sometimes they were in the audio. It was just, you know, when it was Google Hangouts, you hit the link and you were going to the right place 95% of the time. For Discord, you had to find people. And uh, the other thing, too, is, you know, it just didn't take. So, you know, a lot of times it's just Felix and myself in there or something like that, you know, chatting away and, you know, that was it. So it just, I, and, you know, there was something to be said for the video and, you know, being able to have Ryan Smith show you something, you know, from a technique standpoint or hold up that bottle of paint or, yeah. And it was nice to see like Paige or, uh, oh, I can't remember the name of the guys from Cambodia. And, you know, that was just fun, you know, just seeing people from around the globe and stuff like that sitting in the chat with you and, showing you their stormtroopers and yeah they weren't great pictures but you know it was a lot of fun yeah and the other thing you know we've got joe flesh in the early days was our dj and would play the music and you know we just had a really good sense of community there and uh you know for some reason it just didn't translate over and i, I think the video played a role in it you know yeah and i think also too it's just the the uh momentum of life i know rashad had a pretty serious achilles heel injury so he wasn't able to really be up and painting, and that coincided with Kevin Von Felt taking a break for a little bit. And right there, it's like Kevin, Rashad, Felix, Ryan, a couple other people were the ones who were pretty much on every single night. So, and it's just life. Sometimes you take a break, or you you know you get distracted on other things. But it's it's cool now that Google Hangouts looks like it's back. That even a couple days of that almost, it seems like the momentum's picking up. So it should be interesting to see, going through the rest of the summer, what shenanigans people get up to on After Dark. Okay, well, we're going to take a break, and when we come back, we're going to do our hobby segment for this morning after. is going to be everything miniature paint. I'm Andy2D6, the Orange Legend, and you're listening to Counter Charge. Get ready to charge those counters. Okay, we are back. So uh, essentially for this hobby segment of the morning after, we're going to go over some uh, hobby paints. 
um, some some different lines that we've used that we like uh, that we don't like. You know, we're going to kind of try to speak from stuff that we've actually tried ourselves to give you some kind of hands-on perspectives. For going into this, I want to say any of these lines that we talk about, you could probably find an awesome looking model painted with those paints like unbelievable how do they even do that and you could also find a not so great painted model painted by those same paints so i think that you know going into this i think all of these can be successful and are good in different ways and i'm no expert painter myself so it's one of those things about learning your preference but i just want to say i don't want someone who has a, a, a paint line that we maybe don't like or, 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 or have critique, don't feel like you've wasted your money in any regards because you can do a lot of great things with a lot of different paint lines. But first, you know, I think, guys, when you talk about any paints, you got to deal with the behemoth, the, the, the elephant, as they say, in the room, and that is uh, GW's Citadel paints. Um, so I know, Jake, you've been doing a lot of stuff with, uh, as, and we'll talk about some of the other paint line or aspects of the paint brand, but I think the big thing for Citadel paints are the new contrast paints. Uh, why don't you talk a little bit about kind of like what was your initial experiences with those contrast paints? So I, I wanted to try out the contrast paints in part because I was really intrigued and also because I wanted to write an article for Dash 28. Um, and I do do, if people are more visual, I have pictures with my review on Dash 28. Um, but some things I, I really found about the contrast paints is, much like any paint product, as you learn how to use it, you get significantly better results. But unsurprisingly, it's not the magic paint bullet that you know a company trying to sell you a product is claiming it is. Um, I think it's great on heavily textured surfaces. So if you're doing Beastmen, Skaven, um, something with a lot of wolves, werewolves, different things like that that have that furred um, like kind of texture to it, the contrast will work really, really well, and then you can dry brush it up once or twice, and you've got a really nice model at the end. Um, but if you're working more with skins... Um, it pulls a lot. So the consistency is almost as if you mixed a wash with a paint and then maybe watered it down a little bit. And so it means that it flows really differently. It's almost like painting with watercolors, if that makes sense. And so I found that the, the trick to getting the effects I wanted was actually using the technical contrast medium to try to thin it out. I tried using water. It works okay, but it makes it flow weird in spots, whereas the medium, for whatever reason, I got better results with. Maybe if you get really good, you can use water, but for four bucks, I'm going to buy the medium and not have to constantly worry if it's working correctly. Some of the colors I don't think I got as good results with, so the contrast um, iodine yellow, I did not like. Um, I'm going to play around with it on some different textures, but I tried doing some, like, loincloths on these orc um, board game models, and I thought the yellow would be very vibrant, and it turned out more like a, um, almost like a snakebite leather, where it's more brownish than yellow, and I have, like, five shades of brown, so that wasn't thrilling. I really like the greens and the reds, um, and I think... Uh, if you are looking at contrast, really looking at your wash selection, because the contrasts are pretty comparable to washes, 
and seeing what colors you're not happy with the washes and trying those contrasts is the way to go. Because, like, the browns um, work well, especially if you don't want to base coat and wash, but you could probably just get away with a base coat and a wash. But you can't really use washes to do really vibrant reds and blues, for instance. Um, I've enjoyed it. It's fun to play around with. It's a different style of painting. Um, I think you want to apply the paint on thinner rather than thicker. But that's generally what I think with uh, with contrast. It's fun. It's different. It's great if you want to get something on the table quickly. Yeah, I think what you say is uh, important to keep in mind that some of the uh, uh, colors, you can't quite tell what it's going to be on the finished product. But basically, the idea of contrast, too, is that you have two. GW has them. They're sort of matte flat or like a off-white and like a, a off-white brownish like ivory color and then like a cool gray off-white did you use the jake when you were doing it did you just undercoat it with just regular primer or did you use the gw specific ones so i tried um i i don't often spray primer stuff because the humidity in maryland this time of year is so bad um so unless if i know i'm going to paint like 60 models in a go i just hand paint the models and that's how i get my base coat which i know is probably very ineffective for time, but I don't want to have the frosted effect. Um, so I tried both a white base and the GW gray sear base. The white base I found ended up with certain colors looking really blotchy, um, especially the browns on skin because the, uh, the skin already, it doesn't work great. And the white base, it just goes on strangely. Um, then the gray sear, it went on a little bit smoother. Now, that said, I do have, like, an ogre model that's more looking like a demonic ogre that was a white base with a black wash on it first, and that let the contrast really interact um, well with it. So if you're going to do a white base, I think, hit it with a non-oil wash before you apply the contrast paint so that it has that just a little bit less flat um, color to go over because the off-white just seems to work better for the contrast for whatever reason. Yeah, that's what I used. I used. So what I've done so far with contrast is I painted an entire display board with it. Um, my display board that I took to um, Rose City Rumble, all of the stone and ruins um, and uh, rocks and everything was all painted with contrast paints and then just a, a little bit of dry brush on top of it. I found that the gracier was definitely uh, uh, I used a lot of grays and purples and I mixed a couple to get some some try to like uh, get some weathering on the stone as I was doing it but uh, it went uh, on really really smooth I found in doing the bigger pieces the more I, I I still watched out for pooling but I was just kind of lapping it on and it just was going into all those statues. Uh, crevices and everything on my display board uh, pretty cool, pretty well. Yeah, I think one thing worth noting with them is because they're GW paints, they're primarily made with GW models in mind, and GW models just in general are bigger than many companies' models, right? I mean, like, the average, whatever the Sigmarines actually are called, is about, you know, it's significantly bigger than, like, a Kings of War orc right and that's their basic infantry model for their game and so i think those bigger pieces you can put it on in one heavy coat and probably get great results i bet you those big gw monsters are like perfect for contrast because you can get some great contrast quickly on something that would take you forever to do that 
And I think that speaks again to what you're saying, and, and this is kind of my sense on using using contrast paints is, is it's a good tool for certain things. And really, like, what you're trying to use it on, what you know, does the model have a lot of really nice, interesting places for paint to flow into? There's a big, you know, flat panels. But if you're thinking about that, thinking about what you want to use it on, thinking about, you know, is this the right tool for, you know, whatever a specific job, I think I imagine contrast as being another valuable tool in a painter's tool belt, but it's not going to replace, you know, the whole the whole thing. And like any other painting, it takes practice and trial and error to learn how to put it on and make the end product look decent. You can't just, I think, pick it up, start slapping it on, and have a good end product. You might have a better product than, say, I did before. There was washes and base coats and stuff 19 years ago when I was starting to paint. But it's still taking that time to learn about how to use the product is going to get you end results better. So it's not a replacement for skill. So, Mark, I know you were really excited when we first heard about contrast. Have you had a chance to mess with them at all yet? I have. I have. And uh, Jake is right. It is not the magic bullet. I thought that this was going to be super fantastic and all my gray plastic would go away. I, I agree with Jake. It takes some time to play with. I don't think that it's really for beginners, even though that's what it's marketed towards. Um you know, doing the Stormcast, Eternals, and stuff like that. You know, there isn't really a good color to do that gold. I would use the traditional paints on them. But so what I did was I got myself some uh, Space Marine Intercessors from my local GW store, and uh, I went ahead and painted them up uh, as Blood Angels, just like, okay, three-color minimum. How easy is this going to be? And so I slapped them up there, and, you know, it does get blotchy on the flat panels, I don't think you could paint a vehicle with these things. I think it would look awful. So I, I yeah, don't know. Yeah, that's a good point. A vehicle would look really rough, I think. <laughs> yeah, I don't. Yeah, I don't know. So I don't know what they were thinking with this beginner painting system type thing. So, you know, maybe for your more advanced painter that's looking for a different effect or something. I mean, I did them to a real simplistic standard. And I mean real simplistic standard. You've got... Uh, black on the, or, you know, red on the Marine, black for the gun, a little bit of uh, the skeleton bone on the parchment, and, you know, some uh, uh, gray sear and a little ink, a uh, little black on the base and a black rim, man, and that is it. I mean, they are super simple, you know, like game pawns. Now, if that's what you're shooting for, they work okay. But, again, they're still splotchy. So, I mean, you know, I mean, but good enough is good enough. So I was going to paint up my starter set for Kings of War with them, but I've backed off on that until I can play with it a little bit more and see how they work. So, but they are definitely not a magic bullet. And the one thing I really hate about using them and Jake, you can chime in on this is I don't like going back and cleaning up my mistakes because I make a lot of mistakes and with regular paint, I paint over them (laughs) with this one. I have to go back and paint over it with the gray sear or the wraith bone, and then I got to go paint over that again. So to me, that's taking extra steps. And it's like, I might as well just hit it with the color spray or do a base and then do a wash over the top of it. So the only downside of the inks and washes is it dulls down the color, whereas these colors are a little more vibrant. So I think that there's a little work to be done with them, but uh, yeah, we'll see. You know, I I thought it would be a magic bullet. I was very excited, but uh, yeah, uh, 
I don't want to say not as advertised, but not as advertised. I thought that, you know, <laughs> I just dunk them into the pot of paint and they'd come out perfectly painted. But uh, that's not the case. I do think um, one thing I noticed when I was playing around with them, if you darker colors will coat over the lighter color pretty well. Um, and so what I found myself doing, especially when I was doing these like trial runs, I, I haven't fully painted a model with the intention of actually trying to paint it rather than test the paint. Um, but I found that if you do that darker over a lighter, it covers it pretty well. And then there's certain details that I think your time's just better spent painting it on as you normally would. Um, so for instance, like your average Mantic model has how many straps just paint those straps with normal brown. You'll because you, if you're going to go over and paint it with a gray sear or a wraith bone, and then with something else, it could have just been normal brown right off the get go. And if you want it to look nice, hit it with a wash, and you're solid. Um, but like if those fine details, especially, I wouldn't bother with contrast because I don't think it's meant for those. Um, but I do think it's interesting when you bring up like tanks and 40k models that contrast seems like it almost works better for a fantasy range which is unusual for something Games Workshop puts out. Yeah, well, I think um, a buddy of mine is painting a uh, herd army using GW Beastmen models, and I'll have to put some of those pictures on the Facebook group, but they look great. I mean, the fur look the fur looks great, and then he just went in and painted all the metal bits with, like, regular metallic paint, you know, and shaded them like you would normal, but all the, the skin and animal fur and all the organic spots, uh, parts look really good so i think that like what you said i think for animals and organic and the stuff like that that's probably when that paint's going to be most successful and i think the other thing that you're bringing up is that you're not going to paint an entire model in contrast paints you know i mean well you could but i wouldn't (laughs) you could but i wouldn't after playing with them and stuff like that I wouldn't. It's just a tool in the toolbox. It's not a magic bullet. I would not paint an entire model with it. It's too thin. You know, like I was trying to uh, paint the black trim on the uh, Blood Angel's shoulder pads with the black contrast paint. I just gave up. You know, because you put it down and it it likes to run. It flows right over, right? It flows right over. So, I mean, you're trying to do something you know, technical and small and stuff like that. It just, you lose control of it right away because it likes to flow. And uh, God help you if you've got two wet pieces of contrast next to each other because they will bleed into each other instantly. So, um, and give you some really weird effects. And some of those weird effects you like and some of them you don't, you know. If you get yellow and blue next to each other, you're definitely getting green. And then you got to hit that with the right bone. And I don't know, from that standpoint, it's taken more work. I might as well just go back to my base coat and wash. So, um, I haven't tried like the red over like a red primer to see if it brightens up the color and you get the contrast versus, I mean, there's still a lot of playing we have to do with this, but it's not a magic bullet. It's just a tool in the toolbox. I will be just as my parting note on contrast. So we don't spend the whole time. I could talk the whole time about contrast. There's so much to talk about there, Um, but I will be doing a, full ward riders uh battle companies war band for my brother using contrast paints pretty heavily and posting about what i did how i used the different techniques and whatnot to paint something quickly but to a standard that i'm happy to put on the table and writing an article about that for dash 28 probably in the next like look for it like nearer to the middle to the end of august because it takes time to take pictures and whatnot but hopefully that will give people some ideas too with 
so I'm intrigued with the idea of blending contrast paint colors together, um, especially if they complement each other. You might be able to get unique effects. It might turn out awful, and if so, that'll be fun to see too. Yeah, um, that's going to be, and I think that's when we'll start seeing uh, the interesting side of contrast is when enough time has gone by that people have finished whole full armies with it, you know, and we can see kind of, well, what did this look like? And we're seeing that some now, but I mean, like, after people have had some time to experiment with them and figure out, you know, all the little ins and outs, uh, it will be interesting to see those f- uh, full projects done. So GW, besides contrast, has a whole range of paints. Um, one thing uh, that w- with GW paints is that they have changed over the years. Yeah, I know, Mark, you probably have in your uh, basement of doom a bunch of old school GW paints. I still have one of the racks of the uh, hex bottle paints, which I still pull out. And by the way, they're still good. Even if the bottle's been open, it's amazing. Those bottles, those pots were phenomenal. I don't know what what they what is with them, but uh, and I miss the old glazes. The old glazes were awesome, as well as the inks. The inks were fun too. So they had they had some really cool paints. So if you can dig some of those up online, I mean they're harder and harder to find, but uh, I they're good paints. I I still use some of them, uh, even though I've moved more to the new stuff uh, for some reason, but. Uh, you know, in the mid-range when they had the bolter shell paints, those were awful. So yeah, if you find those online somewhere, just pass. Yeah, but, uh, those, yeah those were the those had like tax bottles are awesome. Yeah, those guys, the the bolter ones are actually styrene containers, which is not a good thing if you want to keep your chemicals, paint whatever, uh, solvent and still usable in a few years. I mean, it's you know that's one that's one thing to keep in mind is that. Um, GW and what you have sometimes with with paint companies is that they've you know outsourced their paint to uh, different distributors. So there's some colors that you know were done by other companies, or some colors that uh, uh, are different uh, than they were or aren't in existence anymore. So that's definitely something to keep in mind, guys. Right? If you're thinking about investing in a paint line. Uh, some and we'll talk about them later later companies that only produce paint that's all that they do it's not associated or linked to a game uh you maybe have a less of a chance of them swapping stuff up on you but that is something with gws they do you know change their paints from time to time but they have been pretty consistent over the last few years i think with uh their color range but i think one good thing about gw paints guys is that they're their marketing and their sort of media on how they are training a generation of like kids getting into painting for the first time about their system. You know, like you use the GW has base paints, layer paints, ink paints, and sort of the or washes and those sort of. It's so user friendly. You can look at a GW paint rack and say, oh, I'm going to start with a base because it's called a base, right? <laughs> and then you go, all right, well, then I hit it with a wash. And I know what that is because, or sorry, I'm shade. They're called shades, and the bottles look different. So, boom. And then you're like, oh, and I want to layer it up to be brighter. Oh, let me grab a layer. Like, that's so much simpler than, like, when I started painting, and it's just, here are some colors. Some of these are lighter. Good luck. No, I think that's one thing that uh, GW has done really well, especially with Warhammer TV, is um, introduce painters to those steps that you talked about, like the base coat wash highlight step. 
And I think that is a benefit of GW Paints when you're first getting into it is that if you Google how do I paint X, Y, or Z, more often than not you're going to have painters who are using GW Paints. So sometimes when you're uh, just getting started, you don't feel as comfortable picking your own colors. So having access to those videos I think is a benefit of using GW Paints is that you do have access to a lot of tutorials. One of the other big benefits of GW Paint is that it's available everywhere. I mean, you can get it. You just stumble into your local hobby shop, and chances are they have GW Paint there for you to pick from. I mean, other paint lines are infiltrating into the hobby shops, but you know if they're selling GW models, they're selling GW Paints, and so they're very, very easy to find. So there, there are some pretty big uh, – I'm not a huge fan of GW Paints. They're almost – I probably 80% of the paints I use are GW paints, mostly because it's what I'm used to and switching paint lines is scary. But <laughs> um, there are some negatives. Uh, Mark, you kind of touched on it when we were talking about the different bottle sizes, but GW paints dry out, especially certain colors, incredibly fast. And and so like if you're the type of person who maybe wants to buy a bunch of different colors, you would not do that with GW paints unless if you know you're going to use those colors in the next, like, two to three years because it's much harder to keep them good uh, for through that time. There's also some weird colors that I would just never use. Like, I don't use GW's metals or their whites, and their dry paints, I think, are awful because you're basically paying money for paints that are partially already dry, and so they dry out faster. Like, it's very easy to do a dry brush without a dry paint. Um, so there's definitely those concerns, and then they're expensive. Like, you're paying more for a paint that dries out quicker than many other companies. One, one, thing, one thing I want to mention, you know, when you're talking about paints drying out, keep in mind that the dropper tip bottles uh, typically are going to not dry out as fast as any container that you f- with a flip top. And that's just because you're opening that flip top, more of the paint is being exposed to the air. Uh, it's, it's just... It's just it doesn't nature. seal perfectly. After exactly. Too, exactly. Right? I mean, it's just yeah. so keep that in mind. If you want, if you want paints that'll last a really long time, and and I know people that take GW paints and put them in better pots, you know, the squeeze bottles, the dropper tip bottles, just for that exact reason, they'll last a little longer. And that's what I did for a lot of my GW paints is I moved them over to dropper bottles. But then I was like, look, now I've added, even though you can, okay, you can buy a bunch of dropper bottles for like cheap and ship them from overseas or whatever, but it's still, I've now got the little ball bearing because if I'm going to transfer the pot over, I should put agitator in there. I got the new pot. I have a little bit of flow aid. It just becomes a whole thing, right? And I I have the amount of like sweat equity I'm putting into it. And it's like, why don't I just get a paint that's in a dropper bottle? So, I mean, not moving to the dropper bottle. I'm surprised GW hasn't done that yet, but yet, you know, if they're the, you know, evil twiddling your mustache, you know, uh, there's some inherent things that maybe make people have to buy paint more often with these, uh, the flip top pots that they're in. That's called planned obsolescence. Exactly. And I guess they're, the whole deal, right, is that they're like bolter shells. Like they look like little bolters, bolter rounds. Uh, what about you, Rob? Do you ever use any GW paints? I mean, I think their their washes are, are very good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I used to use... GW paints when I first came into the hobby a long time ago, uh, I used them exclusively because of what you said, um, they're easy to get. If you're, if you're playing games, workshop stuff, they make it very easy to, to, to use their paints. Um, now I pretty much, I have a foundation paint set that I bought like 10 years ago, which believe it or not, they're still good. 
So I, I still, from time to time, will bust them out. But really, the only paints that I'm using right now that are GW are the shades because they're amazing. I, I've tried everybody else, and I just keep falling back to I don't know what their magic sauce is. And I, and I know there's all kinds of tutorials from Luke APS about making their own version. I my time is worth more money than that, so I'm just gonna buy the damn, <laughs> just gonna buy the shades and just use them, and they work, and uh, they're consistent batch to batch. So I and I, and the glazes too are also very fun if you haven't tried their glazes or any of their technical paints, you know the corrosion and, and the blood. I mean, it, they've got some cool stuff. Yeah, the blood for the blood god and the typist corrosion, which are the two technical paints Rob was just talking about, are really cool. You can do a lot of really interesting effects. The Nilax Oxide or Oxshade or whatever the one you can do that it's like add some cool uh, patina effects or ghosts. You can do ghosts in them. So I think their shades, their technical paints. Um, I used to really like their texture paints, but we'll talk about other ways you can get cool texture paints for like one-tenth of the cost. So I think GW is kind of, if you're looking for a paint by numbers, I want to get started. I'm already using GW. I'm playing GW miniature games, so I want the tutorials. I think Games Workshop can be a first sort of overpriced girlfriend, you know, uh, show you a little bit of what you like, what you don't like, and then you can kind of... You love your girlfriend metaphors. I do. (laughs) Um, Well, uh, I got to watch what I say because... She's no, like, you have a girlfriend. Yeah, and she's like, she's like, did you talk about me on the show? And I'll be like, you gotta listen and find out, baby. But um, so another uh another paint line that's pretty popular that I know you're a big fan of, Rob. Uh, I've tried a little bit of them. Are Reaper paints? Right. Yeah, I'm a big fan of Reaper paints, and and I don't. I'm trying to think why I tried them. Uh, it may have been just a friend that said, hey, tr-, well, I, I know why I tried them. Um, the, their their main paint line, the master uh, master paint system, uh, is designed around the triad system, which is basically um, you, you have a color, say it's aqua, and they're going to give you the the shade, the base, and the highlight. And so you could just layer on those three colors and call it a day, or you could mix, you know, maybe twelve different layers out of those those three colors. But what's great is they are perfectly matched and they're, they're blended specifically for, um, for, for layering. Right. And, uh, it works really well. The other thing I really like about the Reaper paint, and I'll tell you, this may be the reason why some people hate it. Um, there is, it's, it's very, very thin and there's a lot of flow aid in that paint. And, uh, you, you know, with the wet palette, I barely have to, I don't typically add any water. I almost put it on maybe just a drop of water and just, it's ready to go. Um, and I and I like that because one of the things that I think new painters and I still struggle with from time to time is making sure you get the right consistency. You know, they always say it needs to be like skim milk. It's hard to tell. Do I have the paint to the right consistency? And with Reaper, with just a little tiny bit of water, you're there and they make it dummy proof. Oh, I'm going to paint gold. Well, grab the gold triad and boom, 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 you're done. Um, and I should mention, I'm a big fan of um, – painting from dark to light. I know a lot of people will paint the base, shade it down, and then highlight back up. I actually will typically start with the darkest color and just highlight from there. So um, anyways, uh, I, I like Reaper. They have hundreds. I mean, I probably have three or 400 paints from them now, and I don't even have a third of the line. I mean, they, they, they literally make 
a ton of stuff. They also make, you know, things like washes. And I don't really use their washes. I pretty much just stick to the paints. But they do have a heavy-duty line. Um, it's, it's sort of akin to um, the the foundation paints or uh, from uh, from from old foundation paint from GW. It's like a, a much – or maybe even closer to an army painter, Mark. It's, it's a thicker – more, I shouldn't say thicker. It's a more opaque paint, and it goes on uh, smooth. But it, you know, one covered, you know, like you can have some bright colors to go over a darker uh, base coat, and it will cover better than their than their standard paint line. So, and again, those come in triads as well. So, um, if you're someone, and this is this is the pitch for Reaper, if you're new to painting and you you don't really understand color wheels, right? You don't understand which colors go with which. Um, the Reaper system is really set up for you because they'll give you the colors that you need to match. And actually, if you go on their forums, they've got all kinds of uh, um, handouts that you can print out that'll actually help you. You know, if you if you want to go with a purple, a cool purple, all right, they'll give you the the colors to go with that, and and it really uh, makes it really dummy proof. Because you know, I, I firmly believe that color selection is you know fifty percent of the battle. If you pick the right colors. Your job's a lot easier. If you pick the wrong colors, it's going to be a struggle. So uh, Reaper, I, I'm a big fan. They're available in a lot of places. One thing that I will warn is if you go to a – and this, I guess this is true for any paint other than maybe GW. Uh, if you go to your local hobby shop and they don't turn their paints very much, in other words, they don't uh, sell the, the inventory through, there's the potential that you're going to find uh, paint that's just dried up. So my recommendation, if you're going to start with a new paint line, just go to a source that you know the paint's going to be fresh and buy a big buy it in bulk and, and kind of start with good with, with known good paint because there's nothing worse than struggling with uh, crappy paint. Yeah, I know uh, you turned me on to Rob the uh, Black and Steel paint by Reaper, which is phenomenal. Like it's so nice. It, it's very difficult to find a good dark metal color that goes on well and this goes on perfectly i love it so i definitely need to try more reaper yeah and i should say uh, they're they're metallics you know i know we'll probably mention the vallejo stuff in a little bit um and and gw's metallics are fine too you know uh, metallics are one of those weird ones where um some you know golds i might like out of a certain line you know realistically they don't make the best metallics but for some reason, that black and steel, and they've got like another like a, a, an aged bronze, which is also really good. There's a few colors that they just, uh, I don't know, they just work, right? You slap on that black and steel, you hit it with a nulln wash, and minimal highlighting, and you're done. Which I like fast. Well, what you said, Rob, is totally true, right? Well chosen colors with solid, clean technique. It's gonna get you an incredibly far away when you're when you're working on painting an army. So I think the the triad color system for Reaper, and then also like you said the um, the thinness. I Reaper is really on my next line of uh, I want to try something else because I'm like a paintaholic. I gotta catch them all. So I have some more paint than I'll ever use in my lifetime. But I want to. I do like the Reaper. I use some of their grays for stone. That you just put it out and you're bam, you're good on a wet palette. You don't need. You can you can thin it, but it's not like you need. We really need to do it. What about you, Mark? Uh, have you uh, done much with Reaper paints? I have. I've uh, 
you know, of course, picked them up at Adepticon here and there. So one of the things about Reaper paints is if you go to Adepticon or Origins or something like that, if you go to the Reaper booth, they will mix you up a special selection of paint that you pick out for a hundred bucks and give you a paint case. Oh yeah. 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 So that's how I bought you talk about Reaper. Yeah. That's the only way to do it. You go to Adepticon, you spend a hundred dollars and you get like, is it 35 pots? I can't even remember, but it, it's ridiculous. It's like 36 pots of paint. It's a, yeah. a hell of a deal, man. And, and, you, you, pay, and you pick the paint. You pick the colors. They've got all four or 500 colors there. You pick them. Absolutely. It's a great deal. And on top of that, you know, Reaper paints are kind of handcrafted. So back in the day, you know, Ann Forrester was out there picking all the pigment and everything and formulating yeah. everything. So, you know, they really craft the paint. So it's a painter's paint. And that's the it's best a painter's paint. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Great line. Great company. You know, they, they really care about miniatures. And uh, Rob was talking about fresh paint. It is really easy to get free shipping out of Reaper. So if you go over to the Reaper $35. website. $35. I think you yeah. just spend $35 and you get free shipping. Absolutely. So go over there, pick up some pots of paint, you know, 10 pots of paint, and uh, you're getting free shipping. So you can get it fresh from the factory, and you don't have to worry about sitting on the hobby shelves and stuff the like that. The only negative that I will say about their uh, their paint, I don't like the label they put on their bottle. It's like a cheap paper label, and I have like an acrylic rack, and so when I – move it in and out of the rack it like scrapes and creates like particulate and you know me i'm an i'm a neat freak so it kind of drives me crazy that i have all this like white lint on my painting table but yes yes i I can concur the labels are horrible yeah but if that's the only thing i can find you know it's they're doing something right so um another big paint line and this is probably i would say i don't know what you guys think maybe the most individual like skews or individual paints, and that is the Vallejo paint range. Huge range. I I actually maybe ten years ago bought the uh, uh the, the it comes in a case. It was like seven the full game color range, the original game color range. It's like seventy two colors. Um, I like the back. It was my first dropper tip bottle, and once once you do a dropper tip, uh, and you're using a wet palette or even not a wet palette, it doesn't really matter. Once you use a dropper tip bottle, for me, I'll never go back. You know, the, the ability to only waste a little tiny bit of paint, you know, is amazing. One thing I do, um, I use pipettes. Um, so I just buy plastic pipettes, and you can take drops of stuff, which is nice, too, just as a heads up. But I agree, the dropper tip bottle is really and, nice. And I do that, too, like for the shades, for GW shades, because like I'll, I'll, I'll do a lot of, like, you know, maybe it's a 50-50 black, you know, null and oil to the purple. And, uh, yeah, pipettes are a great tip for pulling out paints from lid tops, you know, uh, paint pots that have lids. But, yeah, Vallejo Game Color is great, uh, especially if you want to match the old, older, you know, maybe early, late 90s, early 2000 uh, Citadel paint line. Yeah, I, I've had mixed results with Vallejo. Um, I'll be on the other side of the controversy, I guess. Um, I love Vallejo's liquid metals, which is very different from the rest of their line, but I haven't tried their, their paints for a little bit now. I have some of their model color that I tried not too long ago. Um, I guess maybe it was three years ago now, so it's actually a while, but it, it was just too thin for me. Um, and I, I liked Reaper's consistency better than Vallejo and didn't see what Vallejo offered to convince me to go to them over like a reaper if that was the route i was going 
Yeah, I think you mentioned what after doing some Vallejo, what I found to be their best thing, uh, best contribution to the paint world is their metallics. I've done both both the metal color that you mentioned, which is you just have to try. It's a very unique uh, paint. And then I've also I really like their Model Air line. All of the metallics from the Model Air, especially there's about five or six different silvers. And airbrush paint is usually a little thinner. It has to be thinner to go through the airbrush. So these line of metallics are really, really, really smooth, very nice. I've been using all their silvers in my Vaseline army. Um, so I think that you know you can kind of see different paint lines maybe have one aspect of it that you like more or less. But I, I love all their metallics. I'm also a huge fan. I was talking earlier about texture paint that's really important for multi-basing. I had been using the... Uh, uh, GW ones, which are great, don't get me wrong, they're fabulous, but they're very expensive. And then uh, with the Vaseline project, I had swipped, switched over to Vallejo Cells Texture Paint too, and it's in these big, huge cartons for half as much, and it's good, right? You've used, you've used it? Oh, yeah. Um, I've got two different, because I've got like four different textures. I have one that's uh, it's called a um, gray sand, and then the other's called like lava something. And you get in a nice sized tub that you could base two or three Kings of War armies with, I think, unless if you're going like huge armies, pretty easily. And the tub's like like 15 bucks, maybe 20 now. It's really not that bad. Um, and it's great consistency. And then you just paint over that afterwards to, you know, paint it a base coat, wash, dry brush, and boom, you've got great basing. What about you, Mark? Have you used or gotten into Vallejo paints at all? I have goofed around with them a little bit at conventions, but I never pulled the trigger. Um, you know, I just didn't uh, do that. I'm very interested in the texture paints you guys are talking about and the smooth silvers, but I haven't really messed around with them too much. So I went uh, heavy into Citadel, obviously. I've got the many generations of those. And then another paint line we'll be talking about here in addition to my Reaper. So, so, so I'll mention, I think the game color... You know, once you try Reaper, it will kind of – well, it ruined me from the game color because the game color is much thicker and you have to water it down a lot. But one of their lines that I really do like is their Model Air, which is their airbrush line. You don't actually have to use it in an airbrush. And uh, some of their metallics are really, really good. Very thin. They go on smooth um, and, and, you know, good coverage. I do want to say if you're interested in trying the liquid metal, which if you – want your metal to look amazing with a base coat and then a wash and that's it liquid metal is the route for you um it, it controls a little weirder because it's actually an alcohol based paint so you can't use water and since you you can't use water with it to like thin it out or wash your brushes because it'll actually rust the paint brushes and the paint um, so what you have to do is you have to have like rubbing alcohol. Um, it's not actually rubbing alcohol. I'm trying to look for what it's called, is but it, you need something like 99%. Is alcohol. it mineral, mineral spirits? Um, I don't think so. It, I ordered it offline, but, um, it says like on the, the website, but it's like something you need, like, like a certain proof. Um, and you, you need to make sure you use that and then you need a synthetic brush. And that was the trickiest part for me is making sure because most of GW's brushes, for instance, or even like the Windsor Newtons are sable hair, which means they're not synthetic. 
because they're made out of the hairs of a weasel's butt, um, <laughs> and you need to use synthetic oh. brushes with it. If you get those two things, you can get amazing metal. You also probably want to do it in a well-ventilated area because you have a lot of open, like, alcohol around you, like rubbing alcohol, essentially, and it, you're watering it down and sitting there for, like, an hour. I've definitely gotten up and felt a little dizzy if I didn't have some nice ventilation around. It dries fast, too. So, like, if you're not stirring it on your palate every now and then, you will quickly have a dried spot on it. But I love it. It's amazing. It's some of the best metallics that I've painted, especially quickly. Um, and it's my go-to for bronzes, especially. Yeah, you know, I think Vallejo, like we said, it's a ton of colors. Uh, their metallics are great. I mean, Ryan Smith uses all Vallejo game color mostly, and his stuff looks amazing, so... Um, a lot of people really swear swear by Vallejo, but I think it would be a good kind of if you if you tried GW and you're wondering like what am I gonna do next, you know, uh, kind of on my way to maybe a more thinner Reaper is Vallejo might be a, the game color line might be a good a paint set to to try out. You know, I think you can get it like Rob said. It, there are different paint sets come in like the briefcase kind of style, so you 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 get the paint and you get a case too with it. Which is nice. Um, well, I know you're excited, Mark, to talk about Army Painter paints. And I know uh, Rob's had some experience with Army Painter in his household, too. So uh, what do you guys think about Army Painter paints? Well, of course, Army Painter was the official sponsor of Kings of War, or was the official sponsor of Countercharge army in a weekend challenges so which was very nice we appreciate army painter helping us out with that and uh they also sponsored my paint and takes at origins when i was doing them so i i like the army painters they're not great for like painting display models or something else like that uh in my opinion they're very thick so you've got to thin them out and definitely and you know they are very pigmented so you are you know, if you're trying to do slap coats and just get something onto the table, kind of like the opposite of contrast paints, you're trying to get it on the table, but the paint's really thick as opposed to, what do they say, contrast paint is a tenth as thick of a, as a layer of paint. So I like to think of uh, Army Painter as twice as thick as a layer of like GW or Reaper paint. <laughs> so, but uh, it's thick stuff, but, you know, it's thick. Uh, you can tend to paint a lot faster with it. And uh, like I said, I'm not winning any competitions. I'm just trying to get models on the table. So I've got some salamanders uh, for my Forces of Nature Army sitting on my paint desk right now. And they are all Army Painter paints. So that's what I'm using to put that uh, together. Um, You know, my Forces of Nature, that mossy green I talked about before, uh, that was my Reaper paint contribution to that army. But, uh, yeah, mostly Army Painter. It's probably not my favorite. Um, line between that and the GW, but I like them and I use them and they cover well, so which is why I like them. Uh, there's a couple bummer colors in there, but you know, all in all, I really like them and uh, they're great for beginners, is the way I like to think about it. But the big thing, kids, thin your paint. Mm, yeah, I will say Aubrey uses uh, the Army Painter range and they've got, you know, from a value standpoint. They're probably one of the better values out, out on the market because, you know, I, I don't remember. The, the, the paint set they've got, it's got like 50 paints in it, $70 maybe, 
80 I don't remember it's it wasn't it wasn't terribly expensive and you can get a very good set of paints uh that a beginner painter can you know you always want to start with uh a nice little selection because if you're a beginner painter the worst thing you you do well I find the one thing I don't want a new painter to have to do is do a lot of mixing just grab the color and go Grab the right. color and yep. go. You, know, you you want to learn to dilute your paints and to do brush control. You can worry about mixing paints and that kind of thing later. Um, and so, you know, I know Aubrey's been a big fan and she's painted, uh, you know, Reaper Bones and she paints some metal models and some impact miniatures and um, and some salamanders. So and it works great. And as Mark, I think, said, it's very good at covering. So even like a, we usually use a gray base coat. It covers even a bright color will cover in one coat. So. Uh, it's good. And then obviously, you know, their shades, their their washes and stuff are also and they have inks, too. They're they're great, too. The other thing about Army Painter, too, is their uh, spray paint line, you know, their base coat and with 100 percent match. So if you hit it with a good base coat of Dragon Red and you follow up with Dragon Red, it matches uh, and which is really good for speed painting if you're trying to get an army on the table. And the other thing, too, is they've got, if you want to do dips and you don't want to do the washes, um, they've got the, you know, the dips for the traditional dip method. But Army Painter is set up as a system. Um, it's a system I don't take all the way to the end because I don't use the final dip coat with the varnish and everything. I will more hit them with the shade or something like that as opposed to dealing with the toxic goo and stuff like that, which I think gives you eh, results and it makes it all shiny. But uh, the other thing, too, is Army Painter gives you a lot of resources up online. They've got, you know, a color chart to kind of get you towards your GW colors and things like that. And they give you painting tutorials and, you know, they're all about speed painting and getting armies on the table. It is literally what it says, army painter. So Yeah, and they've got a lot of paint sets, too, that are designed for specific armies. I know in the past they've had Mantic or Fancy Flight. And so if you're painting one of those armies uh, or you have a project that they have a paint set for, well, then you should really look at it because they're gonna just, you're just going to buy what you need for that army. Which is always a you know a good thing. Yes, if you're going to look at the Army Painter line, I highly recommend that you take a look at the Zombicide sets. They got some really cool colors in there. So, and of course, it's got my favorite color of all time, Necromancer's cloak. But of course, you got to get that in the Zombicide Black Plague set. But uh, very very nice paint. I I like that one. It's kind of a lighter grayish black, and for some reason, I just really like it. Yeah, I've used their washes uh, and some of their tones, like uh, what Rob and Mark were talking about, like the strong tone, mild tone. That's like a dip, you know, soft tone. Yeah, yeah, where you would like, you know, a heavy, heavy, heavy shading, a la, you know, kind of contrasty, paintsy. But they, those are good. I, I'm, I'm a big fan of their purple tone, which is like a purple wash. I use that to shade all my white. So whenever I'm doing white wings, or you know, I always like to put a little purple in when I'm. Uh, shading white um those are that's i got their ink set you know to get that and some other things it's very good um i'm pretty happy with that so another paint line and this is one that i've been really getting into and enjoying this last year is scale color so scale color it's a dropper bottle style uh paint pot um, they have two separate lines, kind of a la Vallejo. They have their normal scale color, and then they have a scale color fantasy and games. 
and that's supposedly that's kind of like you know the game color it's like the bright spooky colors whereas the regular scale color um is just the main set now uh, i'm a, a pretty big fan of these so far the basilean blue white and red has all been through uh scale color paints um they're really uh they're very high density high pigmented paint and what that means is the more pigment or denser the paint is that usually longer it will uh, maintain its cohesion as you're watering it down so if you notice when you water down a paint that its pigment isn't very dense it will kind of just come apart and you'll see the actual flakes of the uh, pigment breaking down so usually the the more he heavier uh, density paint is easier for uh, glazing and for me, I use a lot of glazing in my paint style. Um, I like to do layer method, but then it's always too stark. Or uh, I, I then go in with glazes to kind of blend the, the layering. So for me, these paints really behave in a way that I like. Um, they also come, I think you saw it at Depticon, um, uh, Rob. They come in these really nice metal uh, trays. Uh, and I bought an extra one out there. You know, they, they're mm -hmm. so they are very nice. They come, and what the great thing about these metal trays, um, when the pot isn't in there, the little circle in the tray to hold the paints is just the same size as a wine cork. And I paint all my models by attaching them with like tacky to wine corks. So then I can put all of my painting projects in these nice little metal trays. Um, it's pretty cool. I'll take a picture of it and post it on there. But um, have any of you guys messed with the scale 75 or this scale color? The fantasy I have game. not. I have not used them yet. I I haven't either. Um, but what you're saying intrigues me. Um, as I look at other paints that I've barely touched, um, I do think also it's worth noting. You talk about how it really fits your style, and that's something I think is worth just mentioning a second time in the conversation. Is just each of these lines. It's about finding the line that works to your style and what you're looking for in a paint. Because I think all of these lines have something to offer. It just depends what you're looking for. Mm -hmm. So let's say there's three painters in the room, right? We're talking to them. They're hanging out with After Dark. Painter number one has never bought a miniature paint ever. Just getting into buying paint. Ar Army painter all the way. What would you suggest? Army painter? Army painter. Yep, I go army painter. Because if they don't like it, if they end up saying this is not for me, they're not out a lot of money. If you you know if you go some of these other paint lines, they're gonna soak you for some for some for some cash. And at least with army painter, you're gonna get out cheap. I do games workshop, um, but mostly because uh, I I think it's the easiest line to use effectively. You buy a base coat, a matching shade, base coat, a matching shade do that for like three or four colors boom you're done it's going to be more expensive but your end product's going to be pretty easily to apply and gw is more accessible in general as well yes yeah okay then what would you say to maybe inter intermediate listener okay so the listener who maybe has some army painter or he has some gw and you know he's gotten a couple paints but now he's ready to kind of invest a little bit more money or a little bit more time what would be what what do you think is the line to explore then well, there's two things, right? Uh, the one is the one of them is the paint range, right? So if if they're ready to take the next step, they need a, a range that's that's much more robust than than GW or Army Painter. And so something like Reaper, where they have I don't know 500 colors for whatever it is, some ridiculous amount, uh, that might be one avenue. Um, Vallejo would be another avenue. Um, 
But what I would say between the two of those is you and Jake said it before. It needs to fit their style. So they need to try them out and go because there are some people that live by the game color or even the model, the Vallejo paints. They are a certain thickness. They love them. And then you look at Reaper, which is much thinner. And there's some people like myself that love those. It takes, you know, it's both are okay, both work, but you've got to fit that tool for your method of painting. And so I I would be loath to say you have to go, you know, the next step would be this. Um, I think the next step, my recommendation is get some different paints from some different paint lines that you're interested in and you try them out. And then you go from there and you say, oh, I like this. This uh, I like the the chemical properties of this paint, the way it flows, the way it handles, whatever. Then you take the leap to buy more of them. That's that would be my recommendation. Yeah, I think I sort of similar to that. I would go um, whatever range you've started using, because um, sort of the sneaky thing once you get really used to painting with a certain type of paint, it's very difficult to switch to a different company because you're used to how that company both works, where to buy it, what colors you like, what colors you don't like, and the new paint line, you have to learn it all over. But what I've done um, is, like, I've used a lot of GW, but as I said, there's certain colors I just don't think GW does well. So I've taken that intermediate level as intermixing those other companies to experiment with, and then I'd be like, oh, this is a really good paint line. Like, I really like P3's metals, so I started buying P3's blacks and whites because I didn't like GW's blacks and whites. And then it slowly expands out from there. You get a little bit more comfortable playing around with the lines and mixing those together on your armies, which I think helps your overall strength as a painter. I also think it depends on whether you're going to be like a prolific painter or just an occasional painter, because the reality is, I I know you guys are all have the same problem where if you go to add something three years from now to a to an army that's already existing, you got to go use the same paint you already use because it's really hard to switch paint lines and to get something to, to, to really match. <laughs> and so, you know, if you're someone that's just going to be jumping around all the time, I, I guess it doesn't really matter. But if you're really like dedicated to, say, the, the uh, 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 an Empire Dust Army and that's all you're going to play, well, whatever, whatever army paint that you pick, whether that's army paint or whatever, you'll probably just end up sticking with it because – that's what you're going to need for that army going forward. Yeah, and I think that um, you bring up some interesting points because I would say, let's say the third guy in our room is the export painter, and instead of giving us advice, we're asking him, what's the paint line that you use, oh, expert painter? And then I guarantee you the answer is going to be, well, I like the brown from this. And then, well, remember the, remember the Ralph Arthur brown from 1986? Oh, thank God I still got half a pot left of that. Yeah. Or, you know, they never use just one paint line. It's whatever works. The red's from here. The silver's from here. Exactly. And I think that the when a paint gets to that level, those artists then have found that they like a certain shade of red or they like a certain blue or – you know, and this conversation has got me thinking of Mike Rossi and a conversation we had with a gentleman from Mountaineer that I spoke to who uses craft paint. There's no shame if you're a brand new painter and you're not sure if you're going to enjoy the, the process of painting. Go buy yourself some craft paint. You got to water it down, right? You know, I think a good rule is you, you, you take half the paint out of the bottle and add half water and shake it up and, and then you're 
maybe a little closer to the consistency you need. But the reality is that, you know, those are 50 cents a pot for, I can't even, I don't know, 100 milliliters. I don't know. It's a big bottle. And so, you know, if you're not sure, dip your toe in the water cautiously. And if you like it, then transition to some more hobby paint later and you keep the craft paint for terrain. Yeah, I mean, like, if you're painting just to, to like, I think a, a lot of people will say, will pr- promote painting not only to have painted armies and all that, but they'll promote sort of the healthy side effects of painting, you know, of a lot of people. I know for me, it's helped me with, like, uh, mood problems or whatever. Painting is such, like, a zen sort of relaxing thing. Um you know, some people will go to painting that way, or some people will just go to painting just to want to get it done, you know? So research sort of like, what's your goal? Are you trying to get something done as quickly as possible and you hate painting? Or do you want something done fast, but you also actually enjoy the process of painting? I think that might color your selections as well when you're picking products like this stuff. One of the other great things about craft paint, uh, besides using it on terrain because it's so nice and cheap, it is great for kids to start with, particularly your young ones that are already using that kind of stuff at school, etc. Um, Kylie's first paint project that she had was some My Little Kitty Orcs for uh, 40K, and uh, all of it was done in craft paint. And you know, you do you've got to water you got to water it down, and that a half a bottle Rob is about what we did with it because you get two bottles out of one. Uh, these things are six, eight ounces, man. They are hefty. And, uh, you know, they're slapping it on and stuff like having a grand old time. And, uh, you know, and you're right. They're a dollar a bottle. Oh, and, you get them uh, on clearance, dude. Like in the summer, the beginning of school year, you get them for like 33 cents a pot. Or a oh, bottle. I was just about to say, you get them at Joann's or Michael's or something and you get their 60% off coupon or you hit the bonus weekend. And yeah, you're paying like 30 cents a bottle for this stuff. And, uh, it, and it's great for the kids. It's also really good for terrain, you know, particularly not your high end terrain, you know. I mean, uh, but uh, I find it's great for terrain and uh, great for the beginner painter. And Steve Avery, uh, my friend, he exclusively paints with craft paint. That's just what he uses. He will not buy regular model paint because he's mostly painting uh, board game pieces and things like that. But he's an art teacher and he uses it all the time and uh, he loves using it. So. And I would just, you know, as we kind of are wrapping up the show, I would echo what Rob was saying, which is if you think you might like painting a model, just grab one. Go get a Reaper miniature or super cheap or a D&D figure or whatever. Grab a couple paints. Yeah, and those just... WizKids pre-primed ones are yeah. great. Amazing. Those are the best models, man. The mold lines are horrible. Yeah, that's true. That is, that's true. <laughs> the bigger monsters, it's not quite as bad. Mark. Don't don't pretend that you actually take mold lines off, okay, Mark? Oh. <laughs> hey, I'm not the best at it, okay, and I admit that freely. But man, I'll tell you what, I got a couple of rangers I was going to use in my forces of nature army, and you know I just hate mold lines running along the side of faces, and so I just those are and, and just the material. You got to get a really sharp knife and have some patience with those. And I personally love my mold line remover from GW, and it doesn't work work really well on those minis. So they frustrate me a little bit because they're that super rubbery material. But hey, if you don't care, if you got them for people, they're fairly cheap, and you know, I mean, they're a great way to get started. So absolutely. 
and I think that the key is to, is to just you know try, just give it a shot. You know, there's so many great resources. YouTube has so many great painting resources. Um, I mean, it's compared to when I was coming up painting, where you're looking at white dwarf articles and that's it. I mean, the resources now are pretty are pretty incredible. Um, should we give some shout outs maybe to any uh, painting YouTube channels you guys like or any painting blogs or any sort of if you were to steer someone to a painting resource, where would you send them? Well, I'll start off. I like to watch Warhammer TV. Duncan is the man. So Duncan Peachy. I love watching them uh, paint. Uh, I particularly liked their Battle Ready series, which was painting tabletop miniatures, basically. I'm sad that those are gone. I'm hoping that they come back with the contrast paints. But they were really a go-to uh, for me. I'll watch Miniac every once in a while. Uh, Epic Duck, you know, um, Stuff like that. I mean, there's various and sundries. I bounce around a little bit. All you got to do is, like, type in something about painting a specific color, and a whole bunch of different stuff comes yeah, up. So yeah. you get your daily tip from miniwargaming.com. So, Rob, what do you got? The best one is Dr. Faust Painting Clinic. Uh, Tony is an amazing guy. He's uh, from Southern California. Uh, I used to live out there and played with him, and he's just a great painter, but he has the ability to – dumb it down so that anybody does that make sense he's able to put it in layman's terms uh so that anybody can you know learn to layer on flesh effectively make a good looking skin and uh he's been around for so long maybe 10 years at this point 12 years i don't know a really long time and so he's got so many tutorials that there's just a, a wealth of knowledge there. And, and in fact to mark's point if you need a specific technique just put it in the search engine youtube and something will come up whether that's uh Non non metallic metals, or uh, you know, take your pick. Painting eyes, you know, there's a million ways you can do it. Um, so I, I uh, my, mine is Dr. Faust Painting Clinic. How about you, Jake? Uh, so I've got to confess, I don't use any blogs or YouTube channels. Um, maybe it's in part because of how I learn to paint, but when I want to try to figure out a technique or get feedback on how to improve something i just bring it to either the local shop and ask someone like so when i first started i spent a lot of time asking local hobbyists hey um how did you do this and my uncle was really big into painting when i was like in my teens and so he spent a lot of time saying this is how you do your eyes this is how you do your shading so you do your highlights and it really helped me develop as a painter and then I started going to tournaments and started seeing even better painters and started asking them, how would you improve this? And um, depending on the personality of the person, most painters are willing to sit down and be like, well, I really like how you did this color. This could use this and this and this and this. And they're not saying it for you to fix that model then and there, but they're saying it so that next time you do it, it improves. And so I find that really helps me because not only is it someone taking a personal interest, but then I'm hoping to, next time I see them in six months, bring something better, right? And then be like, here's this thing. I tried these techniques you mentioned. What do you think? And so I really find that like one-on-one -on -one interaction, especially with someone in person looking at it physically, is, is really how I have learned to paint. And no, making mistakes ahead. constantly. Because mm -hmm. it's okay to mess up. You. It, you, I mess up models, say, this model's done, it didn't turn out great, but whatever, I'm moving on, and I keep going, because you got to finish models in order to improve painting. 
what you said about picking the brain of, of better painters, I think is such a great idea. I know Rob, you probably uh, have great conversations with Billy, who's such a great painter, and I mm-hmm. Billy Austin, yeah, even Dan in our group is a great painter. So, yeah, and the, you know, my final tip though is don't if you if you really want to get better at painting, obviously whatever we'll tell you is just do it right. But the other tip that I'll have is don't sit on your laurels. Like, mm-hmm. for example, if if um, so, I have a, a nice dwarf army. It's in the warm tones because I found warm tones easier to paint. Well, eventually you got to learn to paint cool tones, right? If you're gonna if you're gonna advance advance your techniques, you gotta change it up. Yes, eventually you've got to learn to paint white. So, eyeballs. I used to paint eyes a specific way, and they were okay, but they weren't what they need to be. And so I, you know, you it's hard. And you, you look for different techniques, and eventually, I think, if you look long enough, you'll find the technique that works the best for you, for whatever technique you're doing, that'll give you the effect you're looking for. And you just you're, – you're, I mean, I, I don't know about you guys, but I am constantly like, hey, I've never painted orange before. All right, let's get some orange paint and let's try this. Yeah, I had never done blue. That's why I was like my Basileans, which are blue, so it's not like I'm painting them a funky color compared to what they are. But I was like, let me pick an army that blue would look good at because I've never painted this color, and I need I need to figure it out. How about you, Jeremy? You got any YouTube channels that you – I know you've, you're a big YouTube guy. Well, I like – you guys have mentioned some of them. Dr. Faust I think is great. Um uh, what is Zorastro? Zorastro. Oh, Zorastro. Yeah. That's another one, right? He he mainly does fantasy flight stuff, but like I've been painting some Legion stuff, and honestly, dude, there's if if you're in a new genre that you haven't painted before, find someone that's painting the exact model you're painting and follow them step by step. Even if it's the GW, you know, the Duncan thing, that's fine. It 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 gives you, you know, it tells you which colors to use, and it, it gives you a a good step on the way to success. Yeah. And like Rob said, uh, Zoroastro, he's done like a ton of Legion stuff. So it's like probably the definitive Legion paint guides. Um, very good, but, um, well, great. Lots of good info. I think guys, we covered a lot of good painting, painting, uh, brands and lines and stuff. Um, any final thoughts, shout outs, get painting and show us what you're doing. We love to see mm-hmm. pictures. Do you have, Try different lines. Um, you know, lots of game stores are carrying multiple lines. Feel free to search online and order some, and just test a couple of different colors. It's, you know, especially when you're first starting, it's a great time to experiment with paint lines. Try to take the try to take the stress out of your painting. Uh, you know, if uh, be okay with what you do. I struggle with that all the time, and I know I'm not going to be a good painter. I'm getting older. My eyes are going. So I'm not even painting as well as I did in the past, and I got to be okay with that. And that is very hard. So you know, when you when you get done, like Jake said, it's not the best. Move on. That's okay. You know, the idea is to get painted models on the tabletop. You know, we all can't paint like Austin and Billy and stuff like that, and um, you know Ryan Smith, and that's why we throw them all the accolades that they get. So, but. You know, there's more of us that uh, paint at tabletop level, and you got to be okay with that. It's like uh, Terry used to say, my favorite color is done, and that is my new mantra. I guess guess my closing thoughts would be try to find joy in the moment. Try to find um, pleasure in the 
the journey and not just the destination and and that's really what i love about painting is i love having models done but i love the process and the the rhythm and the ritual of it um well thanks guys for coming on thanks jake unplugged radio shameless plug yeah thanks for having uh, me on dash 28 just remember to put the g's with threes well how's it go again just oh, yeah. remember to replace I was trying to do the your theme song, but I sucked at it. <laughs> that was pretty bad. Yeah, that was terrible. That was terrible. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah Colin the loves the video game theme song, man. He, he awesome. jams that all the time. <laughs> what is it, Colin von Karstein? He has completely given up on painting anything but undead. He has told me, Dad, I'm done. I'm not doing any more. He's given up on my elves. It's like, you've got five more nights to paint. Just finish it so the paint scheme's consistent. But he has given me a hard time. He is all about the undead and always has been. So, Jake, why don't you take us out? All right. Until next time, keep countercharging. Woohoo! Awesome. Thanks for listening. Fantastic. Thanks for listening. And we'll see you next time on Countercharge. Please let us know what you thought of the show by emailing us at counterchargepodcast at gmail.com on Twitter at countercharge15. If you enjoy the show, you can help others find out about it by leaving positive reviews on iTunes. Until next time, keep countercharging. Music is a composition of Kevin McLeod and is licensed under Creative Commons. 